Welcome to The Alchemy of Business Show with your host, Steve Rogers. The Alchemy of Business Show is a podcast that mixes practical, actionable business solutions with soulful insights for anyone seeking deeper meaning in their lives and greater success in their work. Steve will be featuring purpose-driven leaders from all walks of life and getting insight into their journeys from failures to triumphs. So tune in to transition, transform, and evolve in every dimension of your business and life. And now your host of the Alchemy of Business show, Steve Rogers. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in to the Alchemy of Business. Whether you're listening, of course, you're listening. If you're hearing this or you're viewing, maybe you're on YouTube or E360 TV or Roku. However you got here, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. We are continuing to talk on this show about main topics that help us make wiser decisions, also help us find ways to make more profits and abundance in our life, but also finding higher purpose and meaning. So the Alchemy of Business is focused on bringing in leaders and thought leaders and businessmen and women who are doing this in their lives every day, all the time, and paying it forward. I am thrilled to have my guest on today, who's all the way from Canada, and we have Mr. Brian Sidorsky. Brian is a native of Calgary and Alberta, Canada, of course. He began his business career in the furniture business. You're going to hear about how a guy who started kind of behind the scenes as a, a young man working in a furniture store built a massive business by learning skills over the years, not only from things like Think and Grow Rich, but junior achievement and being a great person who asked a lot of questions and found ways to have mentors that helped guided him to where he needed to go. And he did the work. He started at this at 20. And then he also began opening his own furniture stores. He also became what I sometimes kid him about. Hey, you're a land baron. Over the years, he kept acquiring real estate and his portfolio of wealth grew tremendously in commercial assets and having different mobile home parks and investing in different ways. Brian also served on the board of directors for South Alberta of the Scouts of Junior Achievement. He is also married. He has a wife of many years and kids and grandkids. So he's a family man on top of that. This guy is focused on paying back, giving his talent, his time and his energy of paying it forward. And I couldn't be more thrilled to talk to Mr. Brian Sidorsky today. So Brian, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Steve. Thank Appreciate you very much. You. Well, we're glad that you're Thank here. You. So you're in Canada right now, right? We got you out of your office and potentially periodically off the golf course because you're usually either on the golf course, very rarely, but doing business a lot and spending time with family. So how, how were we lucky enough to get you today? Well, I'm back from California. I live in California for five months of the year in Rancho Mirage. And I'm back, uh, you're only as a Canadian allowed to stay down uh, in the U.S. for a hundred and uh, half the year hundred and some odd days a year. So I'm back running my businesses and we're still doing a lot of land acquisitions and a lot of land development in Calgary and Southern Alberta. Well, I want to talk about how you got to that path in the early days. So Brian, when you and I met many years ago, we were at a conference and you came up to me and said, do you really know Brian Tracy? And I said, yeah, well, because he was on the book that I was signing at the time. And you're like, well, I wanted to get to Brian. I love Brian's work. And the reason I want to get to Brian is because I'm really focused on helping global junior achievement and creating a new division with them, paying back the great workings of great thought leaders in the world that can help teenagers do better. And I'm like, well, what's that about? At the time, I didn't know a lot about JA, but I got up to, because I didn't go through JA when I was a high school student or in junior high. And I quickly found out that you did. And it was one of the things that really helped change part of your life. But when we met, I'm like, wow, this guy is a really purpose-driven, wanting to pay it forward guy. I had no idea about your background. I had no idea about the wealth you had built. I had no idea that you'd become a, you know, own so much land and properties. And I quickly found that thereafter, which made me even more impressed with your commitment to help others. So let's go into your early days. So in your late teens and early 20s, when you were starting to work, I think some of your first business uh, opportunities and working were in a furniture store, correct? Yes. I started when I was 15 years old working in the, my father had a secondhand store, a small secondhand store. It was only two or 3,000 square feet. And um, my father uh, uh, taught me how to buy and sell furniture. So when I was 15, You'd grab the newspaper and go out. The early evening edition was always printed in the afternoon. So the uh, we'd grab the 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock edition and, and look at the classified ads and buy the used uh, furniture from the different uh, ads that were in the classified. Always important to get there first. So he taught me the basic fundamentals of how to buy, watching him, how to buy used furniture. When I was 16 and got my driver's license, after school or as soon as the paper came out, as soon as I got out of, out of high school, I grabbed the, my car and went out and I started buying used furniture. I soon learned that if you bought the furniture, 
but you better take a cushion off the off the uh, sofa with you because if you, when you went to pick it back up, the people had sold it again for more money and giving you back your deposit. So I learned all the skills I necessary to buy and sell to buy used furniture. Then when I was 15 in grade 10, I got involved because in junior achievement. And I learned how to run a business. As the young people get together, 15 or 20 kids in the high school from grade 10 to grade 12, get together, form a company, raise some share capital, and uh, go design and build a product, learn how to sell the product, learn how to account for the product, learn how to market it, then learn how to uh, run a business and an organization. And those skills helped me a lot. The, the basic fundamental skills I learned is how to sell door to door. And then I used them in the furniture store. So I made my first sale when I was 16, realized that I was that I could sell furniture. That was fundamentally the, the technical knowledge of learning how to sell became the, the, the Rosetta Stone for me to learn how to run a business and how to create wealth, is learning well, how to sell. That's awesome. And for those that don't know about junior achievement, I knew of it, but I didn't know a lot about it because I didn't have the benefit of going through it when I was a teen. I sure wish I would have. And I can't believe how many people now, many years later, I've told about JA that either have kids at that age that can go into it. They serve what, Brian, typically like 12 or 13 years old up to like 19 or something like that? Well, it depends on what country. JA in, is served in Canada. We have, we've now started elementary, oh, we started uh, grade one to grade six programs taught in school. But the company program that I got involved with was with the after after school in the company program. So that was effectively uh, uh, effectively two hours every every uh, once a week starting in May and ending in October. I can still hear you pretty good. If you need us to take a break on that, we can. But if you're hearing me now, then we're good. No, no, I'm, I'm just having trouble hearing myself. That's all. So. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I'm hearing you loud and clear and you're sounding pretty good. <laughs> okay. So just carry on with what I learned in, from Junior Achievement and that Junior Achievement program, depending what country you're in, Junior Achievement's in 127 countries. They serve 10 million students each year. But I, I was fortunate enough to spend five years in the company program because I was a terrible student. I repeated grade 12 twice, not repeating it, but I was still qualified up until I was 19 years old. I was involved in the junior achievement company program where I was president of the company and I learned how to buy and sell and, and organize and trade and uh, all the fundamental skills that you need to run a business. I, I learned in junior achievement. Well, and fast forward, and I want to bounce around a different time on the on the show here, but fast forward many years later, you not only took on these principles that you learned from your dad, but learned in sales and then learned from junior achievement. And you were somebody who really applied those and did the work and you magnified each opportunity into the next to the point that you created your own beyond buying furniture stores that I want to get into and building that. You also ended up building your own empire called Lansdowne Equity Ventures LTD, which is development planning initiatives, also commercial buildings, mobile home parks. You know, you're closer to a billionaire than you are a millionaire. So you have uh, really done an amazing job of learning and taking these skills from your 20s and 30s and into your, you know, more adult years of being a, a businessman. So how did you apply where some people maybe don't, what else did you have in your makeup or what do leaders or people possibly need to make sure they're factoring in with their uh, ability to learn? If they're learning from junior achievement, if they're learning from uh, a parent, if they're learning from another business owner, what other skills did you find you had in either tenacity or belief or power of thought? that allowed you to magnify that even more than many that have been through those programs. So I want to hear more about your, how did you apply that and how did you create such massive success with all of those things you learned? Well, I think I always set goals for myself. Uh, I was a terrible student. I failed grade six. Uh, it took three years to finish my grade 12. But I, when I was 20 years old, I had started my own furniture business. I charged my father 5% for all the furniture that I bought and 5% for all that I sold. So I saved up about $3,000. That's back in 19. 65. And uh, effectively, I bought all the used furniture that we had in a small store that we were using as a warehouse. And I converted that into a retail furniture store. Well, from there, I, I transformed that into from used furniture. I realized I can't spend my time out there buying used furniture. So I started selling more and more new. Eventually, I turned it all into a new a used furniture and appliances. So we did a, a big appliance business and television and stereo. And from about 3,000 square feet, I soon, within two years, I'd outgrown it. And but I had when I, I had an opportunity present me that, and I was I wasn't quite ready to take the opportunity because I had this big lumber rack right on a, a main intersection that was owned by a gentleman that was 85 years old and he had nobody to leave it to and we became very good friends and had a hardware store 
and a big lumber rack. And I had ended up uh, buying that from him. And he gave me a spectacular deal on the terms and conditions, which allowed me to expand my business. Again, I didn't have any capital, but I got, I got credit from my suppliers and I got credit from, I had terms on the mortgage and the purchase of the building. So the opportunity that I had, I was just able to take advantage of it. And from there, once I bought that major building, I, uh, oh, you just changed the picture. Okay. We're focusing on you uh, now. Once, we, we just switched the screen around a bit. Yeah. Oh, Go okay. Ahead. No problem. That's good. Once the uh, city came, uh, had my, my major retail location and I take location and I lucked out in understanding that I had lucked into one of the best locations in the city of Calgary. I had location, 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 but I had visibility, access and parking. So I was able to, and in those days, I was able to, because I had such a great location, I immediately became fairly successful. But when I wanted to become even more successful, I decided to do TV commercials. So when I was about 22, I decided that I'd have to do a TV commercial, but TV commercials were expensive. And that if I was going to, if they were were going to have some impact, that have to be very unforgettable and bring some immediate business. What I did is I went on television. I took a a TV and I took a sledgehammer and I took, I said, we're smashing prices at Sidorsky's Furniture and I smashed this TV. Well, you would have think that I would have broken into the bank because the business that we did after that TV commercial came flooding into the door. So it was having the right location and having the right merchandise. But then, so we did the product, good or service part, which I explained now to people, you need the product, good or service. You need the advertising marketing. You have to tell people, but once you tell people they can show up, you still have to sell them after telling them. And so because I was a good enough salesman and I could train other salesmen, pretty soon I had a staff of like 25 salesmen that would do TV commercials and along with getting credit from my suppliers because we were doing volume with them, they supplied the credit. We were still taking 60, 90, 120 days to pay the bill, but they always do. They get paid. We were to build up the volume to where in 1981, well, in 1970s, I was doing over a million dollars a month in volume. Wow. Just from from a, having the uh, right location, having the, the, the right suppliers supplying us merchandise, having the right advertising on the television and newspaper and radio, and then at the end of the day, building a good delivery team where we had our own delivery service and we went out and we built one of the large, the goal was to build the largest retail furniture and appliance store and television store in Calgary. What I did is I targeted the number one store and I copied his advertising, his marketing, his sales. And then I didn't realize that by the time we, when we caught up to the pack and then we caught up to the leader, when we went by the leader with our advertising and our, we had sales like Midnight Madness, we opened it at midnight. We would, we would do a million dollars worth of volume inside of a week. Uh, that was from the adver- crazy advertising, opening at midnight, wrapping people around the block. But we passed our competition and became the number one leading retailer in, in Calgary. Wow. Well, you had those business, business practices down. You realized you had to have a good product or service. You realized you had to have the margins on it of what you could sell it and make a profit. You then realized you had to have good salespeople. Then, you, as you mentioned, you had to go into being able to use other people's money initially or OPM to leverage your growth that you needed to either get into buildings or to then be able to afford advertising. And then you realize, oh, I got to get the word out. And you were like, you're like the shock jock of real estate, of uh, furniture instead of a, a radio. So you you figured out how to get people's attention. And then that intention, you then obviously gave them experience that they wanted to have great customer service and buy more things or come back again. So how long did it take you to get to the place in which you had multiple stores? So by the time you were said, you know, 20 or 21, you know, bought a store or so, and then you were going to the point where you started having multiple stores. What, what, what was your peak? How many stores did you have at your peak? And how many years did it take you to get there? Well, that's an interesting story because when I had my one store, I was able to run that very effectively or very efficiently. When I opened the second store, I managed to double my overhead because I now had two rents to, or two overheads to pay and, uh, and and more staff to pay. And the advertising, instead of doing more business in the one store, I, uh, the mistake was uh, the second store and the other end of town, our volume stayed the same, but our expenses went up. So it wasn't the right move to do. I didn't have the infrastructure or the or the knowledge on how to run a chain of furniture stores. I knew how to run 
one store. One store well, right. And that's a good lesson that business owners need to look at is when we're in this growth pattern, we'll have to come back on the break and talk about that more because we only have about two minutes left on this segment. But you realize, and as many people do, when they're starting to scale and grow, sometimes taking on that additional infrastructure of additional costs with rent or staff or et cetera, you're like, whoa, I've just eaten into my profits way too quickly and I haven't been able to magnify those. So I want to find out how you maneuvered through that when we come back from the break, when you went, "Uh uh-oh, maybe that wasn't the best move. Somehow you got past that because then you went on to continue to create an empire. Not only did you create an empire, but you then started developing and taking that money and investing it in real estate, which really created a lot of your wealth. So I want to come back from the break and talk about that, Brian. And was that what years when you were in junior achievement as a teenager? The other thing I want to add into the next segment is your massive digestion and praise of one of the thought leader books, Think and Grow Rich, that was about not only becoming rich, but also becoming abundant. So did that also come your way in your late teens or early 20s? Or when did you get turned on to Think and Grow Rich? No, that was earlier. And I had followed those fundamental principles when I was about 15 years old. I, I had read the first copy, uh, or 15 or 16 years old. And that's where I, I think that was the, the passion that it had stirred of being able to conceive, believe, and achieve that gave me the confidence to go out and do what was impossible to do with what I was doing at the time. I didn't know that it couldn't be done. Yeah. But I, I just had the what I was doing without any capital. Most people say, well, you don't have any money. I can't. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough skills. I don't have enough accounting. I don't have enough people. I don't have enough sales skills. I don't have enough. To, just don't. I, I can't because I find all the reasons. I didn't have any of the reasons. I didn't know that I didn't know. Nature was very kind to me. And then by the time that I didn't know, I had already found out that I could. Right, right. (laughs) That's wonderful. Well, sometimes not knowing things is a blessing for sure, because either the overwhelm or the fear of it, once we know it, like you said, it may have held you back and you went on to do things you didn't even know you could do or even were possible at the time. So let's come back from the break and talk about that. We're going to talk about how Mr. Brian Sadorsky went from working in a furniture store to owning furniture stores to leveraging great wealth to being on his way to earn massive millions and millions of dollars in different ways by applying these business practices by applying what he learned in junior achievement and by applying what he learned in Think and Grow Rich and more importantly, by applying the hard work that he did to materialize those things because you got to do the work. So come back and find out how Brian continued on this path and how he can help you learn more about your own business on how to magnify things. Thanks for listening in on the Alchemy of Business. We'll be right back. Hello, and welcome back to the Alchemy of Business. We are here talking with Mr. Brian Sadorsky, who has created not only a real estate empire worth millions and millions, but also has used his millions to help many people in the world. Brian sharing with us how he took his path as a young man, learning from junior achievement, think and grow rich, and from the mentors he learned along the way, and from the mistakes that he made, how he created even more massive wealth. So Brian, welcome back to the segment. When we were uh, finishing up the last segment, we were starting to talk a little bit about in your expansion of your stores, you realized, oops, I had grown a little bit too quickly. I took on more costs and infrastructure. And now my profits word is great because I had more expense versus revenue. So I do want to carry on with um, that and then jump into some of the think and grow rich conversation. But when you realized, oops, my expenses are higher, what did you do to course correct from that point forward to then make it that it did work in your next decision or your next big step? Well, the universe has a way of punishing you or rewarding you, depending on the timing and circumstances and the environment that you're in. And, and sometimes the same effort at different t- timing is everything in some in some degrees, as far as the economy or, or the time of year. Even you you have to plant when it's in the spring, and you have to harvest in the fall, and you don't try to grow crops in the, in the winter time. But uh, at the end of the day, the opening up another store. When I wasn't uh, ready to open up the store, a uh, second or third, and I wasn't didn't know enough about scaling. We didn't have computers uh, back then or cell phones. There was a different time. Uh, today, you can you can know what your inventory right, is yeah, down to sure. the penny. You know what percentages of markup is. You know what your all you can break down your cost, your freight. Today, the freight on furniture just went up from three thousand dollars a container to thirty thousand dollars a container. It's Woo. this whole supply chain has been, been wow. totally disrupted. That's so crazy. The, the fact that you're bringing in 
yeah, so uh, the, the prices of, of furniture effectively in the last year and a half have doubled. Yeah, and that can happen in so many businesses. You never know what a government decision, a new law, inventory changes, price structures can do to anybody that's listening in, running any kind of business, whether you're running an online business or a brick and mortar business, you probably have had this experience. It's something like what Brian just mentioned, that the freight costs went from X to X, or a new law got put in place, or labor cost things changed, or uh, new security measures need to be put in place. So you're right, Brian, being aware of these bricks and hurdles that you get in your business of then how to adjust to them. So go ahead and finish the story on how you then went around and, and figured that out. Well, I don't know if we figured out. I, uh, we talked about scaling your business and, and getting it ready to scale. I had been working 18 hours a day, seven days a week, 364 days a year to make my business work. But I built up a fairly big business where we were doing a, an enormous volume and a very low margin. And uh, I guess in hindsight, I guess I could have had a thicker margin and not had to work so hard for, for so long. But by the time when I was 35 years old, Effectively, I'd been working all that time. So it was like a dog's year. eight every year in the furniture business. It was eight <laughs> years in real. They, but uh, the, the, the company that bought me out, uh, I was their first acquisition. And he was a bright young man that had done the Midnight Madness. They, be, they went on to become the largest retailer in Canada. Uh, and uh, I was their first acquisition. I was offered to a position to go with them, but I decided not to. And I, I went back to school after having sold my business. And I then went got my credentials and went went on to, to the University of Calgary to see if I could become a psychologist. I thought that was interesting to me. But at the, at the end of the day, the folks that bought me out went on to become the largest. They were ready and scale. They, after they bought me out, they went into Ontario and bought out the largest retailers in Ontario. And they went on to be, open up 200 stores. They had invested in a computer system that gave them all their analytics and they know what they were selling, who was selling it, why it was being sold, what the response to advertising was, and what their so they had a complete insight. They had it, so yeah, they, they had it down, scale down, yeah. the business effectively. Right. Uh, and that's right. really, really important to know. If I walk into any retail store as a consultant and I look at their, and I say, what's your inventory? What, what's your best selling merchandise? Who's your best salesman? Do you know that in, information? If I go in and look for what I call cobwebs, where there's messes in the offices or warehouses, a broken or damaged or incomplete or waiting for parts or pieces. If you look at, you start looking at the, the symptoms of a business that's running cash flow problems, I can probably find that 80% of your volume of your, if you're retail is done on 20% of your numbers and that you're not getting adequate turns or markup on your inventory. You probably got 10, at least five or 10% of your inventory is sitting dead in a clearance center or a warehouse or boxes or not displayed properly or overpriced or all those things that are, can go wrong. Now with the idea of a, if you're not, today if you have a computer, even if you have a computer, you still don't know at retail level of what the things that you, that you should know to maximize your results. So you need to be able to, to really streamline your product, good, or service and make sure that, that you're zeroing in that 80% of that volume that you're doing is done on 20% of your number. The next thing you do is have it. We, we just, in our furniture business that we're still involved in running, we condensed our sales force from 10 people down to five and we doubled our volume. So, well, how did that happen? The best salesman, number one, and the worst salesman, number 10. But but they, they take turns waiting on customers. So you got your worst cust salesman getting the same shot at the best customer. Well, when we took all the five best salesmen and matched them with our five best five best salesmen to our customers, we increased our closing ratio by more than 50% because the worst five of those salesmen were we're losing those customers, not closing them. There was there's a big difference. Yeah. And then what, how did we improve their efficiency? Absolutely. Yeah. We took those salesmen and we maximized their time. We give them each an assistant so that they they didn't have to spend their time doing anything other than what they do best with selling. Yeah, that's, so that's, that's that, and that applies to any business. I mean, I think back when I, I was in the real estate business on the sales side of helping people sell houses, uh, and then went into management, and then ended up running a company for Warren Buffett. And when we along the way, what I learned either as a salesperson or as a manager, or for sure when I was in the Berkshire Hathaway system, was about anything that can be tracked and measured can be improved upon, and you have to know your numbers. I mean, getting down to knowing our numbers of every single day, every week on our inventory, sales flow, price ranges, and like you said, who the best sales people are, you know, in that old rule, 20% of the people do 80% of the business. I still think that holds true in many industries. And sometimes it's 13% of the people are doing 87% of the business. So focusing on getting your best salespeople to do what they do well, we did the same thing in real estate. It suggested people get assistance or buyer's agents. So and anybody that's got businesses that you're trying to maximize, Brian's talking about what can you do to go look in in your product offering, cash flow, your balance sheet, your P&L, your uh, weekly inventory of your weekly sales reports, and where 
where your margins are and figuring out where you can fine tune those things uh, because there are there's money that you're leaving on the table or there's opportunities that you're probably surely missing. So Brian, when you started doing that and you started realizing that these things were adaptable, these business practices, when did you then leverage that over into real estate going, okay, I've got this income from furniture stores or I got a big uh, payout from selling my company. When did you then go in and start doing land and then land development? And how did you apply those skills to make that transition? Well, that's an interesting story and, and, and probably the mistakes that I made. We had a significant line of credit with all our, with a number, more suppliers than we needed because we took 30, 60, 90 days. We weren't paying our bills 2% 10 days. And uh, when I bought my first duplex property when I was 19 years old, before I effectively was even in the furniture business, we bought and after a few a couple of years, we sold that and made a profit. At the end of the day, I started buying real estate. Uh, uh, using equity out of my, not equity, but cash flow, when I thought I had surplus cash flow. Up until I was able to really finance and put a a mortgage on my building and then pay my bills 2% 10 days or cash by paying paying to pay on time and not have to use my supplier's money. They didn't have to build anything into their product or or services for risk of, of having to give me credit. So what happened, it really increased my volume of dollars of profit was the fact that we started paying our bills with a cash discount of 2%. And that added right to our bottom line. But what amazingly happened was because the suppliers that were afraid to deal with us in the past, because they didn't want to take the credit risk, they all came forward and that extra competition lowered my prices. We started saving another 10, 15, 20% on wow. our product. And we passed we passed that price along with our margin lowered. We, our prices were lower. We increased our volume again. So our volume went up dramatically as, as the suppliers gained confidence that they didn't have to build in any credit risk. So one of the things that I do tell is keep your agreements. Keep If you decide that you're going to pay 2% 10 or net 30, keep your agreements. So if you have the unofficial agreement that it's 30 but 60, 90 days. Now, some of the big department stores were taking 90 days to pay at the same time. But they, they were big accredited partners that had credit ratings. and had, We were a small company that didn't have a credit rating. And we couldn't get one because the small companies that we were doing business with didn't want to tell the other small companies that we were good credit because uh, they didn't want to lose our right. business. I got so, it. Yes. So but, but the, the secret got out yeah, and that we paid our bills. When I first put a mortgage on my, my original building, a new mortgage, I was able to pay all my bills 2% 10. Like I said, our, our volume just took off like a rocket. And then did you tar- start taking some of those margins and then that you were saving and start putting those into buying land or buying a development? When did that, when did you have enough extra? Well, back in, I had opened a second furniture store and in that second furniture store, uh, we had a big parking lot and I had been supplying a couple of the mobile home dealers some furniture. So I knew a little bit about the mobile home sales business. So in my parking lot, I decided to start selling mobile homes. So when we started selling mobile homes out of that same park, and I had two furniture stores, then I had a mobile home. And then I, I guess I made the mistake of not only to have the store north and south, but I, now I was in the mobile home park. I was in the mobile home sales business. Then I opened up another store in another town in Lethbridge. I opened another store in Isfail. So I opened up and then I had three or four mobile home sales lots as well. And then the business took a bit of a downturn, the cash flow affecting. And when you have, when you're selling big ticket items like mobile homes, you had a fair, a big cash flow. But the problem when I was enjoying such great income now with our paying our, our bills, buying them and selling mobile homes, we needed mobile home. Uh, we had no place to park the mobile homes. So I had to invest in land. So I, I bought my first 88 acres of land and I was 26 years old and I had no idea of how to do a, uh, get a mortgage, but I had a, a law firm that I was using. They asked me if they could partner with me. So I had three lawyers that uh, that were were my partners, and another furniture another furniture company that I had become friends with, who was in retail as well, and one other lawyer. So we bought the land. I was a thirty about a five percent partner. I arranged the financing and the mortgages. I went into and learned a little bit about engineering design and mobile home park. So we built built the mobile home park. And it turned out to be actually quite successful. That was my, and then from that mobile home park business, it started generating its own cash flow and mobile homes, low cost, affordable shelter. As And we ended up going, after I sold my business, then I went into the mobile home park business in a much bigger way to be able to use the cash flow and, and the, the track record from the mobile home to open and buy more mobile home park. 
So we ended up buying more, uh, about nine or 10 mobile home parks. And is that, when did you and create Lansdowne Equity Ventures? Was that around that same time? After I sold out the furniture store, effectively, it was about the same time that the mobile home parks went into business. Yeah. And then that, that company so, is where then your holding company, where then all these projects and developments that you started doing, that was all done under that umbrella? Well, starting to look for land for mobile home parks gave me an insight to how land is developed and how cities grow. You know, if you look at the time-lapse photography of Disneyland being built, uh, how they bought in Florida, and looking at the time-lapse, if you look at any town in North America or in the world and look at where the post office is or the railway station or the river or the bridge or the school or the church or the post, all those little things. And you look at how a company will, will slowly build out and every major city follows a, a growth pattern. And then they, in, like in Dallas, Texas, they have not one ring road, not two ring roads, but four ring roads. And they're planning a fifth. So you look at in the town of Calgary, I figured out where the ring road was going and I bought real estate and land uh, happened to be in the ring road land that we bought back in 1970 a huge amount more today yeah no doubt and for we, sure well that's ama- that is amazing that you're i mean here at the beginning of the show you were saying that you were not that great of a student in school and you even got held back on a few grades you sure went on to learn the lessons of life and business in a very high level way as a, a graduate of a magnif- magnifying what you learned in the practical world um i'm curious as we have about three minutes left in this segment i'm curious on that path since you have these uh that we talked earlier in the segment about Think and Grow Rich, which is a book uh, that Napoleon Hill wrote, uh, and many have read it or heard about it. But it's not just about getting rich. It really is about creating an abundant life and having goals and having something, believing in higher consciousness uh, and super consciousness and writing things down. What was it that resonated with that book? And how did you apply that in these things that you've just been telling us about for the last segment here? How did that play into some of your success? The thinking, the skills, et cetera. Doing what you want, having that cheap passion and desire for a realizable goal that you can conceive a goal in your mind and you believe it. So it's, it's a realizable goal. You, the moment you don't believe it, you can't do it. You won't try, you won't even start. But once you conceive it and your idea, having the largest retail furniture and appliance store in Calgary, how the, that was my goal and believing it that we could do it because we we, could, we, we had evidence that we could we could write a million dollars worth of business in a month and we didn't have to look back. Conceiving it, believing it, and then achieving it. But having a chief definite aim Knowing what, knowing what you want, why you want it, when you want it, where you want it, who's going to help you get it, and how to get it. Then you look at how do I, what are all the different ways I get, how do I get it? And, and knowing those answers to those six questions, and that's what Napoleon Hill talked about. I have six trusted serving men. They taught me all I know. Their name is what and where and how and why and, and who. So that's the poem that Rudyard Kipling had come up with. But that's pretty much answers any question that you have of life or business, just just, just address it with Kipling's poem of, of who and, uh, and what, what do you want? And, ha- and it goes back to junior, to, to uh, not junior achievement, but it goes back to Napoleon Hill of having a chief definite purpose, a chief definite aim. And one of the things that kept going for us, because we ran into lots of it, was with every adversity lies a seed of equal or greater benefit. And we yeah. hit lots of negative patches of road, knowing that we're learning some lessons here that we need to overcome and overcoming the adversity, you know, in part of the lessons that you're talking about in Thinking Grow Rich. So well, that's, desire, that's, that's faith so that we powerful. know we can do. The slide that we have up, you were, you know, instrumental on getting this this thought out into the world. And also within Junior Achievement, you helped get a, a new division created in Junior Achievement to help kids in school even get these faster and sooner, earlier than even than to a degree that I did. So Noel, let's go back to that slide with the Think and Grow Rich slide. We're going to wrap up on that because we only have one minute. But you were talking earlier, Brian, about what worked for you was knowing what you want, why you want it, where you want it, how to get it, and who's going to help you. And then some of these principles here in Think and Grow Rich here, these 13 principles, are things that you have talked to many young people about in their own life, whether they're looking to become a singer or a businessman or an entrepreneur or a restaurant owner. These things apply, whether it's desire, imagination, you know, the, the brain, subconscious mind. So you were so passionate about this. What I'd love to talk to you more about in this last segment is how you then realized you wanted to pay this forward in sharing this knowledge with others in the world, at, at specifically through junior 
your achievement, but you do that also in many conversations you have with people every day. I know you've uh, mentored people who have uh, been uh, close to you or you've been impressed with that you wanted to help. So I want to come back if it's okay with you and talk about paying it forward. And then also how you have managed through digesting the success that you have had in your family and in your uh, thinking about success now and how you define it versus how you define it when you're in your 30s, as an example. So uh, that sounds good. We can come back and handle those topics. I'm going to take a break for two minutes. All right. Sounds good. All right. With all the listeners, we will be back. We're going to learn more about how Brian Sidorsky uh, used many of his teachings and learnings along the way to build a multi, multi million dollar business and coming on to close to billionaire in his own wealth. But he's changed his thinking about what's important to him and what he's focused on. So let's find out in the next segment what that is. Thanks for listening in. Hello, and welcome back to the Alchemy of Business Show. We are here with Mr. Brian Sidorsky. We have so many topics to talk about. I could go on for hours with Brian, as we have when we're friends talking about subjects and topics. But Brian, I have a lot I want to pack into this last segment. We were talking about Think and Grow Rich before we signed off in the last segment. And not only was Think and Grow Rich a, a part of the formula of you doing all the things that apply in Think and Grow Rich from having the desire and, and uh, organized planning and the imagination, you, you're very persistent. You also are very good at getting other people to believe in a vision or a dream. And in that part of that, you also realized at some point you wanted to start paying this forward. And you got on a mission not only to continue to build your businesses, but also to help pass this on to others. So how you and I met were some of the things either through Greg Reed or through some of the masterminds you were attending, because you were on this mission to go out and find other people that could bring value back to others, and and specifically through Junior Achievement. So can we talk a little bit about how that idea came for you to to create this division and chapter within Junior Achievement? And then what were some of the thought leaders that you've gotten involved in that uh, to date? Well, I think once I reached a point where I know that I had all my all my desires and my goals pretty much achieved for myself and and that uh, I was going to be able to pretty much conceive and believe and achieve pretty much anything that I really wanted. I realized uh, that I'm I'm not getting any younger and uh, I I have nine grandchildren and that I wanted to uh, leave them the wisdom and the knowledge of the learning uh, of the generalized knowledge because there's two types of, of, of wisdom, your specialized knowledge and then your, your general philosophical knowledge. So I had the idea that what, what was my specialized knowledge? I was a salesman first, and then I was I was a, I learned how to become a good businessman. I learned all the fundamental dynamics of being running a good business, which is really really important. And then we can get into that in maybe a different show sometime. What are the basic fundamentals of running a really good successful business? And 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 I can I'm happy to share that with you. Another time. Right. But at the end of the day, the idea for thinking grow rich was I wanted a I wanted the standard operating procedure manual of success. So if and when I ever write a book, it'll be called the standard operating procedure manual of success. So starting to look for the books that has already been written because I don't. I told Brian Tracy uh, that I when I first met him that I, what I was doing. He says, Well, I've got a book that I think is really really good, and it's called Maximum Achievement. And it says everything that's in Think and Grow Rich, I've kind of done a study on it. And I've read hundreds of books and I've condensed all that learning. Just like Napoleon Hill condensed, he interviewed the top 500 business people in the world. And then from Westinghouse and Firestone and Henry Ford, all those guys that he condensed all their wisdom and, and Andrew Carnegie into effectively uh, one philosophy. Well, Brian Tracy took that and other books and turned it into those that standard operating procedure manual of success. He put it in his book called Maximum Achievement, which I recommend the number one books for anybody and everybody. If you want to get your own personal MBA, okay, or oh, you, <laughs> you're way one step ahead of me. They're right there. there if okay. anyone's viewing so, this, you're seeing the site that uh, one of Brian Tracy. Brian Tracy's written close to 100 books, and he's a friend of Brian and ours. And he very generous with his time as well as helping in JA. But uh, Brian Sadorsky is talking about some of these books you're seeing here. Go ahead, Brian. Well, one of the things when I met Brian Tracy, and you were with me when when he said it, he said, before you guys ask, because he knew we were representing Junior Achievement, before you ask me anything, the answer is yes. So that kind of blew me away. Right. Uh, I've never, I said, I, I, I later said, I should have asked you for more. He says, I would have given it. <laughs> That's Well, because he knew you were asking it with an open heart and he knew you were asking it for good and he knew you were asking to pay it forward. And you and Brian are about the same age. You both have had different successes in different ways, but you both have impacted a lot of people. And I think you both kind of connected of resonating of life's not all just about making money or writing books. Life is also about family and giving to others. And it's sounds like you had an awakening of that on a very big way. But just like you built your business with 
passion and success. You went out on a mission to do this. And story that you had about connecting to, you know, not only Brian Tracy and Greg Reed and Sharon Lecter, you, you, you were on a mission to make this happen. If anybody listening to this, if you haven't read Think and Grow Rich, then you really haven't completed all your 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 criteria that's going to be necessary to complete your success. And then next to that one would be Brian Tracy read uh, Maximum Achievement. But Brian Tracy, we, we've become very, very close friends as well. And and I talk to him almost every week, either phone or email. But Brian is uh, is really, really responsible for, for changing my my direction and, and some of the things that in my life as well with his book thinking with his book Maximum Achievement. By psychology of selling, we gave it to our salesmen in our furniture business, doubled the sales. And he also wrote a book called Eat That Frog, which yes, absolutely one. from time management and getting your priorities and scaling your business. You might let anybody listening is the, the books that I recommend absolute necessary reading. So if you haven't had time to go and get your MBA or go to university, instead of doing that, I read these books and I keep them on my Fed's night table and I refer to them constantly. You're an avid knowledge, reader. That. You're great about recommending books to people and you know what's in them and you apply them. I know you have some books there on your conference table there of people. Not only have you been reading these books, but you now have been quoted or written in books because as you're meeting these people, they're so fascinated with your story that they want to find out how Brian Sidorsky has the persistence of our overcoming adversity. So let's share a few of those things, Brian, beyond your connections with Thinking Our Rich right. and Brian, you're now starting to share a little bit of your messages in some of these other authors' books uh, and information as well. Well, Greg Reed has become a very good friend that I and he has a company called Secret Knock. And, and he's also written some books as well called Three Feet from Gold. And this one here called Wealth Made Easy. Well, in Wealth Made Easy, he put me in the number one chapter because I said, I went out, I buy land, I wait 20 years, and then I uh, land plus time equal wealth. And if you want a really good read on how to, he went out and interviewed millionaires and billionaires, how you crack the code of getting rich. Well, there are some basic philosophy and fundamentals that you have to, to do and be to, in order to have. So it's, it's you, you have to become the person that's going to do the things that's going to do the things that's create the things that are going to give you what you want to have. So it's be, do, have. Greg Reed has really created that. Sharon Lecter wrote this book uh, along with Greg Reed. They're both uh, they're both in this. And I did an interview with them about five years ago about my success and my adversities that I had to overcome to, to be successful. And uh, this is called Success and Something Greater. And it's on the book. You can buy this on the book. Not that I'm selling it. I don't get a royalty, but I was yeah. interviewing. You, you just, like passing, yeah, you just like passing on good info. And I know Sharon was thrilled to have you in that. And if, for those that don't know Sharon Lecter, uh, she was one of the co-authors in the famous book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, and she was instrumental in that book. And then she was, as uh, Brian just said, she was... Uh, uh, a writer with Greg Reed. She's has written many of her own books, and now Brian Sidorsky is in one of her books. So she's. I'm having her on the show in the in the near future. There's one other book here you talked about. This is one of my grandkids took my copy. In her, uh, this is a copy of uh, Entrepreneurial Attitude by Larry Farrell. He, this is for Junior Achievement's hundredth anniversary. I've been was involved with Junior Achievement fifty years ago when I was when I was fifteen years old. So he wrote. I'm in the number one chapter in this book called Entrepreneurial Attitude. And how we go on, the whole theory of junior achievement is learn by doing. Well, I carried on that same philosophy that I learned in junior achievement. And they said, junior achievement, my junior achievement companies are extensions of my company. My companies today are extensions of my junior achievement companies that I started back when I was 15, 16 years old. But yeah. he just writes about all the success stories in junior achievement. Well, we'll make sure we get those. We'll make sure we get all those books in the show notes. Uh, Brian Sidorsky is giving the audience here some great tips of these books. I've read them myself. They are awesome. Also, in the junior achievement uh, organization on a global level, you know, you have brought in uh, which they're called chancellors. Uh, so, uh, Noel, if we could pop up that slide of who Brian Brian uh, Sidorsky went out and started connecting with people to say, "Hey, I'd love you to pay it forward." So he's already mentioned Brian Tracy. Mark Thompson, who's a serial entrepreneur and a Midas Touch investor, uh, Jack Canfield, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dave Meltzer, who runs a sporting agency, Greg Reed, we mentioned, uh, Mark Victor Hansen, uh, Francis Hesselbein, some real players, Don Green, who is head of the foundation for Think and Grow Rich, uh, Dave Corbin, Marshall Goldsmith, who has his own book right now out, uh, one of the many that just hit top 10 in New York Times bestseller, The Earned Life. And so, uh, Brian, these people believe not only in you, but they believed in your passion about why you wanted to carry this forward into junior achievement. So it really speaks to the power uh, learning by doing. It speaks to the power of 
desire, persistence, you know, the subconscious mind. And you weren't sure how you were going to get to all these people, but you knew you wanted to. Uh, and the universe kind of conspired toward your success because once you start doing the work, it's funny how the universe creates for you. Uh, and we only have about five minutes left. And I want to dig into this further and how this has affected your personal life in your own. I mean, as you grew up as a young man, you were thinking that you were like, weren't that great in school. You weren't sure that you were going to have uh, all that you wanted, but you've been married for over 40 years. You, like you said, you have nine grandkids. Uh, you have uh, how many kids? I, I forgot you have three or four kids? I've been married to Gail, my wife, for 53 years. 53 years. And that uh, the most important thing you can do in your life is get uh, that part of your life right if you want to have a happy life because the money without the happiness and peace of mind, it's wealth with peace of mind that you want to have. And uh, that's the most important thing. The uh, I have three children and I have nine grandchildren. Nine grandchildren. And yeah. they are, they're the whole reason for me uh, wanting to, they're the icing on the cake of life of, for my grandchildren, wanting to see them happy and contented. I just was attended the, the graduation for my grade 12 graduation for my, my second oldest grandson. He'll be going to Dalhousie next year. And I have another grandson who's 20 and he's in third year at UBC. So I'll have all my grandchildren will eventually go on, go on to university or, or colleges at some point. But just being around for, for and being able to benefit, pass on the wisdom and knowledge to my children. So that, that standard operating procedure manual, as I said to Brian Tracy, you already wrote the books that I would already, I haven't written a book. I've got thousands of notes, but you know, somewhere in those books from Tony Robbins to, to Brian Tracy to John Green wrote a book uh, from Napoleon Hill Foundation, uh, having that knowledge so that it's available. Now there are literally thousands of books and there's only so many hours of reading you can do. Right. So all I can tell you is that I'm the the role model, or if you want, or I'm the I'm the result of having read a handful of books of all the hundreds of thousands of books that are written every year, and all that information. So what is it that resonated so well that allowed me to to kid that couldn't get out of grade six and a, and a, and a terrible student? Why did it res, Why did these books resonate so much with me? And why did junior achievement? Because I realized that I knew what I want, having a chief definite purpose, knowing what you want. If you don't know what you want, you're going to get it. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Knowing what you want. And then, that's right. And billing, and you're a hard worker and you're persistent. So not only knowing what you just said, but then willing to dress up and do the work of what it takes to input to make those results happen. And in your family, you've made that a part. I've had the pleasure of meeting Gail more than once. And she's a great partner for you. And I know you guys have weathered many storms that had many fun times along the way as relationships do and all the world travels you've had and the things you've overcome. And in that, you guys have you know kept the family you as, as important. So I'm curious as we're wrapping up the last few minutes here, we have about three minutes left. I'm curious as you're now in these chapters of your life, you're still massively wealthy. You have massive success. You could never spend all the money that you have, as you've mentioned, but you're doing great things with the money and you still want to continue to work because you're passionate about it. In this higher consciousness, when even in Thinking Grow Rich, it talks about the power of masterminding, the subconscious mind, higher purpose. What is it in your life, in addition to the family, how do you define spirituality? Like, do you, do you have a spiritual practice? Do you have a belief in the, the way you're paying it forward? That's part of your spirituality? I'm just curious on that element. We always like to talk here on the alchemy of things. In the mix, what is your definition of spirituality and how are you applying that in your life and potentially business? Well, I could jokingly say the only reason I'm not an atheist is because there's no holidays. <laughs> <laughs> That's I've not heard that one. That's a good one. <laughs> well, I'm not a very religious background. My father being Jewish and my mother being Catholic, and I I, I dated a very very religious uh, Christian girl for many years. Uh, but effectively, I've come to the conclusion of my own belief system that there is a higher power. That I have I know two things for certain. I know I do not know, and the second thing I know for certain is that nobody else knows either. So if it's Buddha or Allah or Jehovah or and I study a lot of different religions, and I've read I've read most of the different books that I can about Hinduism and Muslim and Islamic and all the different religions there possibly are. And I just know that there is has to be an intelligent universe. Looking in the eyes of my grandchildren, there has to be a universal intelligence because they know and say things that they couldn't come out of out of out of a nothingness. So yeah, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm with you on that for sure. And, and I've been in a situation so many times often that I'm meeting a person for the first or second or third time, or I've made such a difference out of people's lives. All the time I get people sending me an email. What you, I was on the golf course with a guy I had golf five years ago, and, he's, and I said something about his, 
this 12-year-old adopted son, and he didn't have the relationship. I said, you have to do everything possible to get one. Well, I met him again on the golf course, and he couldn't thank me enough for having done that because now he is a father and son to his adopted son, effectively. But it's well, just... I think that that's... I'm, it. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead, Brian. No, I just said some of the information that I get, I, I'm hearing it for the first time myself. So I've been blessed in that I know there's a higher power and I can connect. And if I just sit, and sometimes when I'm faced with adversity, I just have to sit down on a chair, take take 10 minutes, close my eyes, take some deep breaths, and just let the answer flow in. Sometimes uh, allowing the goodness to arrive, as you say in your book. Iggy. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Well, that, I, I, I also believe, I don't know exactly how it's defined. I don't think any of us fully do that knowing that there is a higher power, something greater than ourselves, whether it's Buddha, Jesus Christ, Yahweh, whatever it is, it's called it. To me, it's irrelevant as to what the name is of it, but just that power of that belief, knowing it's something higher than ourselves and it's not us that's helping this universal spiritual intelligence connect. Uh, and I'm so proud to know you. I'm honored to have been connected with you on this mission that you're on with Junior Achievement and all the other work that you do paying forward in the world of that's your own spiritual practice, the way I view you. You're always willing to give to others in ways that are helping better their lives and better the world. So I want to thank you for being on the show. I want to thank you for your friendship. And I want to thank you for paying it forward to our listeners today, because I know they took a lot from this. And we'll make sure in the show notes, we have these books and some of the great quotes that you had. So uh, Brian, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, any last minute uh, thoughts for the listeners as we sign off? Yes, I would say I really would suggest the books that we've suggested, go out of your way to at least buy them and sit on that side of your desk. And if you don't, or, or your night table, on that desk, on your night table, and before you go to bed each night, if you only have to read one page, and it might turn into two or 10 or 20 or, or all night, take the time and to read. The Think and Grow Rich, Maximum Achievement, just those two books alone will change, will, if you haven't read them, will change your life. It, it, it will give you a sense of, of knowing your, what you, at least what you want so you have a goal and a map to go forward, to look forward to. And then you can change not only your life, but you can change all the, all the people you love in their lives as well. And you share that information with them because you can't give anybody anything that you don't have. And the only thing I can, I've got the knowledge. I know it works because I, got, I look in my electronic number in, 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 that's in, in, over at my bank and I can look at, I'm reasonably successful financially. But I've also been married for 53 years and I have nine spectacular loving grandchildren and, and three spectacular children. And I have a lot of great friends and, and, and relationships that, that I've created in my life. And that comes from having a philosophy and the philosophy has to come from, from at least shared learning, uh, wisdom of others, even going back to Plato and Epicurus and Epictetus. And, and, and Socrates, all those great philosophers. You know, we're, we've been blessed that we've got this thing called YouTube. And I, I have to say, as much as I read, I, there are some great YouTube videos on, on success. And Napoleon Hill and Brian Tracy, you can, the seven C's of success are, Brian Tracy's right up there, seven C's of success. And also, you've got your good book, IG of Iggy, is, is, oh, thank uh, you. Uh, is, is on there as well but you you can learn you can't give what you don't have you can't share what you don't have and if you have knowledge or money then you can share it so well, you thank you for sh you thank you for sharing today on the show you were more than generous with your time and wisdom and i hope you will take to heart what brian sadorsky has shared with you and you'll take it into practice because it does wherever you're at if you're at huge levels of success and you want to monetize it in different ways of more happiness or joy or abundance if you're looking to create success if you're looking to create more balance or abundance in your life these things apply in all of those so thank you mr brian sadorsky and thank you for the listeners or viewers on the uh, today listening in on the Alchemy of Business show. And uh, we will be back next time and look forward to seeing all of you or hearing from you again on the show notes. If you want to chime in with me, feel free to leave comments or notes. If you need to get a hold of Brian, he's very busy. So we're not putting a lot of his contact info, info there. We will have his LinkedIn page in our show notes. But if you'd like to reach out to Brian on any business opportunities or you know opportunities in JA or whatever it might be, feel free to reach out to me through my uh, contact info. But thank you again. And thank Thank you for listening in to The Alchemy of Business. And that concludes this episode of The Alchemy of Business with your host, Steve Rogers. If you found value in today's broadcast, please consider liking, subscribing, sharing with friends, and leaving a review. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next Thursday for another episode. Be blessed and see you soon.